Dude, we don't care who listening and who not listening. What's going on? I never quite know how to start these things, so I usually just start making weird noises and hit record, but welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod, episode number 31. It's Pacers fans, uh, 31 is an iconic number, hanging in the rafters. Probably... If I had to decide right now, today, my favorite pacer of all time would be Reggie Miller. Um, I certainly leave room for Victor Oladipo to to take that. Um, I fully expect that to happen. I I think that the Pacers are going to end up having playoff success with, with Victor Oladipo. Obviously, it won't be this year, but I think that, you know... I think that we'll get a few, definitely some playoff series wins over the next five to seven years. I actually think the Pacers have one of the brighter futures in the league. Uh, you know, I think, well, I haven't done a whole lot of uh, dwelling on other teams, but like the first couple teams that come to mind for me would be Dallas. I think if you're a Dallas fan, you got to be pretty excited about the future of your team. Luka Doncic uh, trading for Kristaps Porzingis. Um, who cares what else they got? I'm sure they have some. I haven't really. What else do they have? I don't know. <laughs> um, I but I know that they have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Oh yeah, plus they're going to have a pretty high draft pick this year, uh, uh, or for this year's draft. So. If you're a Dallas fan, you got to be pretty excited, I would think. Um, who else out there is, is it has reason to be excited? You know, I think if you're presenting the case for the Pacers, it starts with the fact that you have a, um, what, Oladipo, his accolades, he was third team All-NBA last year. So a, a one-year All-NBA caliber player who's 26 years old so really Oladipo should be going into his prime over the next three to four years which is what sucks well I mean the injury sucks regardless Uh, is Oladipo 26 or am I making that up uh I might be too optimistic about Oladipo's age he might be a little older than 26 Um, anyways, yeah, see, I'm trying to look it up and I can't do two things at once because I got one of those one track minds, um, but I'm still trying to do it. So I'm just going to be, okay, just type in age. What do you guys think? Oh, 26. I was right. So May 4th, 1992 is Victor's birthday. So he's going to be 27 going into next year. All right. So I haven't heard much 
Um, oh, it says Victor Oladipo update. The rehabilitation will be televised. Victor Oladipo walks without any help eight weeks after surgery. So he's walking without any help. That's a good sign because uh, you can't play basketball without that. So anyways, back to the case for the Pacers, you know, they're led by Oladipo. Let's say next year's kind of, it'll be interesting uh, what kind of expectations we set for next year because you just never know what kind of player Oladipo is going to be um, covering off of this injury. Is he going to be able to shake back into the form that he was last season? Um, is he going to be more like he was this season, which he wasn't having as good of a season this year as he did la uh, last season? Um, or is he not even able to get to, is he more like someone like Gordon Hayward coming back and is maybe 50% of the player that he was before? And, it, cause I, and you know, um, I may have mentioned this already on this podcast before, but the Paul George... You know, it, he was he had a terrible leg injury um, his first season or a couple seasons back. Really, he he uh, had to work into into becoming the player he was before. And then this season, he's had, he was having a great season. So, um, so we'll see with Oladipo. The point is that he is in, entering into his prime over the next let's just call it this four year window. So he'll be, you know, 31 at the end of it. Uh, what will the Pacers look like in four years? Um, or let's say three years. Well, we do know over that time span, um, we're going to have Miles Turner. So this this during this season, the Pacers offered an extension to Turner. We have him um, on contract for four years at like 18 mil a season, which is looking like a really good signing. I know that... Uh, when they gave him the extension, which was in the fall, um, you know, he hadn't really had that great of a season to, to date. He, he seemed like he maybe have even had regressed from the season before. But um, Turner's definitely shown this season that he's worth that much, that money. And I think he's obviously he's just turned 23 uh, like a week ago. So um, he's really young. Four years from now, he's going to be. 27 years old, which, you know, maybe for a big guy, that's like the prime for him. You know, sometimes big guys don't age quite as well or as nicely, you know, as some of the younger guys. But and, and not that 27 is old by any means. So Turner's super young and should be very, very a big piece of what the Pacers are doing four years from now. Then you have Sabonis, who's, you know, even younger than Turner. And we have, you know, hopefully we can keep Sabonis. But, uh, well, that was just a little bit of a, I don't know, I guess, a rant on, oh, I know. I was just, I was talking about Reggie Miller and then favorite Pacer players. Uh, so, yeah, I think Oladipo could, could pass Reggie for me because, number one, I don't remember a whole lot about Reggie. Like, I was a kid. Um, when Reggie was, his last years were my, um, you know, like high school, college, maybe, maybe like first year in college or something. So it's been a long time since I've seen Reggie play. 
And uh, so I don't, and I didn't watch the Pacers as much as I've been watching them now. And, um, but yeah, you know, Reggie was just always one of those guys, like as a kid that you would love because he, there was the whole boom baby three pointers. There was eight points, nine seconds against the Knicks um, where it was like game one of some of a playoff series and Reggie knocks down a three point. So the Pacers were down 99 to 105. This is in New York. Um, this is when Reggie, I think that's when Reggie does the choke sign to, to uh, Spike Lee. There's just all this drama. I remember as a kid between the Knicks and the Pacers, uh, it was like Hicks versus the Slicks, you know, like the city slickers in New York against the Hicks of, of Indiana. You know what? Actually, now that I'm saying this, yeah, I think I believe there's even a 30 for 30 or some sort of short dock on the, the Pacers and the Knicks. It might actually, it may be called 8.9 seconds. So I could just be stealing that title. But uh, anyways, I was just, uh, Reggie was always a, a favorite of mine. Um, I remember being a kid. So I grew up about an hour outside of Indianapolis. So I only went to one Pacer game when I was, grow when I was growing up and uh, as like a kid and into high school. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Oh, I was going to say that I used to, I remember, you know, I would always like whatever. And so my, I, okay, yeah, I know what I was going with that. So I lived an hour outside of Indianapolis and then to get to my grandparents' house, they lived like four or five hours away and we would go around Indianapolis during to get to my grandparents' house. And I remember just, you know, we'd be driving around Indianapolis and I'd just see, you know, growing, being from a small town and not really seeing a city ever, you know, seeing all the, like, if you see the tall buildings in the distance or you see like nice cars around you or cool, taller buildings. And like, every time I saw like a limo or, if we drove past a big house, I'd be like, I bet that's, I bet that's where Reggie Miller lives. And I used to tell my brother that, you know, be like, Hey, I bet, you know, and I think, my, or maybe I just like asked my parents, but, uh, anyways, just a little trip down memory lane. Cause Reggie was a great one. Um, and the Pacers are just a cool team to root for. So you're listening to this and you, and, and, and you're thinking, man, I just don't know if I could, you know, really like the Pacers as, as my team. Well, you should really strongly consider it. So the Pacers were in action this week. Um, it started with home game against the Nuggets. So Denver is a team that, uh, that had won six of its last, what was that? Oh yeah. They were on a six game win streak coming into Indianapolis and the Pacers just put the boots to him. Uh, I thought it was, the, it, it, it was hard to tell because it definitely looked like the best game of the Pacers have played in a, in a while. Um, the score ended up being 124 to 88. So beat the Nuggets who at that time were tied with Golden State for first in the Western Conference, uh, you know, what is that? 12, beating by 36 points. And the game was, the game was over at halftime. The Pacers just came out with uh, so much energy and they ended up with eight guys having eight or more points, no Darren Collison, you know, so that it just shows the depth of the Pacers. Um, 
yeah, it's hard to tell, you know, because it, it looked like Denver had kind of mailed it in. Um, they were on the, the the last game of a, what was it, like a four or five game road trip. Um, and apparently that's something the NBA teams do. They They lose a lot of the time, I guess, on like the last day or the last game of a, of a road trip. Um, so maybe the Pacers got lucky there and, and didn't, they definitely didn't get the best of Denver that Denver had to offer. But, you know, we, we just had a great game against Denver and it was needed because, you know, the Pacers had had a tough loss uh, going back to last week. Let me, what was, I, I think we played, was it, um, uh, who was that? Anyways, I was thinking it was OKC maybe that the, that we had lost to, or maybe that was this week. Yeah, oh, that was this week. So, okay, back on point. The, the Nuggets game was great, and it showed that, to me, like this is what the Pacers can look like. They were firing on all cylinders, scoring 124 points. Miles Turner looked great. This was Miles Turner's birthday. So he only played, so we didn't play our good guys the last quarter. And uh, Turner still finished with 17 points, 11 rebounds. He had this awesome coast-to-coast -coast dunk where grabs the rebound um, and then just starts pushing the ball up the court. And then nobody from Denver picked him up. And so Miles ended up, you know, getting a full head of steam by the time he got to half court. And he was just kept dribbling the ball, uh, made a little move, and slammed it home. He beat three of the, like, he beat three of the Nuggets guys back. Um, and it was incredible because you're like, dude, he's starting to show some stuff here. Because he, you know, sometimes he'll put the ball on the floor, on the floor when he, he pump fakes a three-pointer. If his guy bites, Turner will put it on the floor. And a lot of times nobody wants to try to stop Miles because I don't know if it's just because he's a big dude. You know, they know he could just kind of run him over. Um, but he gets a full head of steam and he just gets to the hoop. Um, that'll be something that's interesting to see if he can get better at that um, and become uh, less turnover prone. Because that's the only thing, you know, it's like he has those flashes of, damn. Can you imagine if, that, if, if, if you could rely on that type of ball handling and playmaking um, a little more often? That'd be incredible. But, you know, Turner was just great, and he's shown flashes of doing things that not a lot of guys in the league can do. Um, Sabonis was awesome off the bench. He only played 22 minutes. Had, look, I mean, this stat line, 15 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists in 22 minutes. It's, I, it's incredible. Sabonis is just... Him and Turner, I mean, in a game like this, you just look at both of those guys and you're like... They are the future. They are the future of the Pacers. Um, I just don't see like so. I'll just indulge in the in the discussion because I unfortunately I just do think about this a lot. Like, can it work with both Miles and Demontis? And I think it can because I have this belief or hope that both of these guys and Oladipo. Like, I have this belief that there's this culture on the Pacers team that is going that they're going to want to stick together and win it together like win a championship as as a team of guys who even like might make sacrifices 
to to do that. So maybe Sabonis is like, yeah, I know I could be a starter on on most NBA other NBA teams, but we got Miles, um, and I'm okay being the backup. I do a really good job in my role. You know, especially since, uh, it's, like in some of these games, Sabonis has been closing the game over Thad Young. And it's like, okay, well, if, as long as, you know, they always say it's not who um, who starts the games, it's, it's who finishes the games. And it's like, cool, that's fine. Uh, but is it actually going to work? Like, does it work with having these two guys out there at the same time? Sometimes it certainly, it does. We, we've seen that. But is it, does it work enough to have success in the postseason? And the verdict's still out on that. So, but I think it's, I don't think it's, it's. I don't think it's proven that it can't work yet. That's that's the point. It's. I think we just still have to see. I, I'm not ready to give up on the fact that maybe Miles Turner and Sabonis can play at the same time. Maybe they can. They're both young. Maybe they'll figure it out. We have Turner for four years. We have Oladipo for three more. We're, we got to sign Sabonis this next year. Um, and then you got these three guys, and you just make it work with the good players. Um, but yeah, so Sabonis has just been great. And another guy, Aaron Holiday, played really well in this game against the Nuggets. So, uh, oh, yeah. And last but not least, the guy that set the tone in this game was Bogdanovich, who ended up with, he hit his first nine shots, I believe, and ended the first half with 26 points on 10 of 11 shooting. Uh, was Bogdanovich against the Denver Nuggets. 26 points on 10 of 11 shooting at halftime. He plays, you know, most of the third quarter, probably didn't play the fourth, ends up with 35 points. Bogdanovich has been unreal since Oladipo went down. Um, On the season, he's averaging 18 points a game, which... I think, you know, he was probably averaging 15 before Oladipo went down. And so half half the season, he he increased at three points a game. You know, I bet if if you looked at what his numbers were post Oladipo injury, he's probably averaging 20. I bet he's averaging 22 points, 23 a game. Um, I know just over the last four games of this week, he averaged 28. So he started the week with this 35-point night against Denver. Um, and the thing about Bogey playing this well, it's awesome as a fan because he's he just hits everything. I mean, his field goal percentage is out of control. It, uh, he's, he's so efficient when he shoots the ball. Um, the only thing that's surprising is his free throw isn't any better. So he's he could be part of the 50-40-90 if he were, were to shoot 90% from the free throw line because he's got... 50% of the field. He's shooting 43% from three. Um, he's just a, a dude that's hitting all of his shots. And now everybody, the rest of the league has taken notice. Um, therefore, it's driving up his price tag for the free agency this summer. So I thought, you know, I thought the Pacers would be able to get Bogdanovich for maybe maybe uh maybe by 10 10 mil 10 to to maybe 14 million a year 
is what I thought Bogdanovich's price tag would be this summer. And I was hoping that the Pacers would uh, would sign him because Bogdanovich is 29. Um, but I don't really see his skills. I think he'll still he could still be a, a really, really, really valuable asset to this Pacers team three years from now. I think that's kind of the window for the Pacers is is kind of that. Maybe that not next season, but the season after. Um, but we need to start seeing some playoff success. That's why it would be so awesome if the Pacers got a playoff series win this year, even without Oladipo. Because I thought going into this season, it was it was a first round win or bust uh, for the for the Pacers this year. And when Oladipo went out. Obviously, those expectations changed, and they've still changed. But the Pacers have shown that we're good enough without Oladipo to still be a team that can, you know, uh, compete against the best teams in the league, and especially, you know, the Eastern Conference teams. Um, So it's looking like it's going to be Boston. Um, The Pacers did play Boston this week, which I'll get into here in a little bit. But, you know, back to Bogdanovich, his price tag is going way up. I don't think we'll be able to get him for $14 million. I, He's probably going to, I don't know if a team will offer him $20. Um, I, I just, I don't know what you do there because to me, he's the number one guy to bring back. But I'm not smart enough to know if we can pay Bogdanovich and pay Sabonis the following year. I don't know if we can do that or not. I know that we have about 110 million probably for to start with as like a cap. And Oladipo, let's say, makes 20. Turner makes 18. You know, I don't know. I'm not going to do the math here. That, but it's it's just uh, can you can you afford to pay Bogey 20 and still sign Sabonis next year for? Because I think Sabonis is going to need to be at least twenty million, or eighteen. Because he's going to he's going to be at least worth what we got Miles Turner for. Um, and that's cool because, you know, that I think that's a, a fair price tag. I don't think Sabonis needs, but we'll. I don't. It, I think we're going to need at least twenty million in cap space to get Sabonis next season locked up. So, my number one concern. Or my number one objective, if I were running the Pacers this year and going into the offseason and free agency and who are we going to sign and bring back and stuff, it's like, let's make sure that we aren't doing anything that will handcuff us and not make us able to re-sign Sabonis the following year or, or offer Sabonis the extension, the same one that we got Dave Miles Turner. To me, that's number one, because we have to have Sabonis. And then 1A or, or 1B would be Let's get Bogdanovich back in here. And then hopefully we could get Thad Young to sign on a, you know, a, a maybe a, a team-friendly deal. Um, I think you let DC and Tyreek walk, and maybe Matthews would sign a team-friendly deal too. I really like Wesley Matthews, and I think the Pacers would not be where they are right now without him. I think he's filled in extremely admirably for Oladipo, um, you know, maybe doing about 75% of what Vic was giving us 
Um, the thing about Matthews, sometimes he, you know, he just is off with his shot. And um, he had a couple this week where, you know, he'd be like one for five or just, but he's always going to bring it. And that's the thing. I don't know why I started it with like that. Cause I actually, I love Wesley Matthews. Um, I want, I want the Pacers to sign Wesley Matthews. I want Wesley Matthews and Thad Young to be the vets that are on the team that have the guys, you know, like Sabonis, Turner, Oladipo, Bogey, Aaron Holiday, even TK Leaf. Um, let Kyle O'Quinn walk. Uh, unless, unless they just, you know, unless they loved Kyle O'Quinn, but I think we could use, I think a, a position that we need upgraded is Kyle O'Quinn's position. And I think the Pacers need to go with, they need to go get a physical, uh, a physical big man. I mean, because that's what Kyle O'Quinn brings to brings to the, the Pacers. But I think I just think we need somebody even bigger and stronger, more physically imposing. Um, one. So actually, I just thought of this, and this is this is a pretty damn good observation. But you get a big guy that I mean, someone that you could potentially put against like the same types of like Enos Cantor or. Uh, Joel Embiid, these guys that are busting up Turner and Sabonis on the inside, we need a we need one of those guys on our team in case, like what if Turner is never able to handle somebody like that, and we need to bring in somebody off the bench, and Kyle O'Quinn is serviceable, but you know I think if you bring in somebody even bigger than that, somebody more physically imposing, now Turner gets to go up against that all year long, and maybe that makes him you know, ultimately better against big guys. On the flip side, who knows? Maybe it wears him down. Maybe he gets injured. <laughs> maybe it backfires. Maybe that's a terrible idea. But that's just, I'd like to see an upgrade there over Kyle Quinn. I don't want somebody like too expensive or anything. Just, you know, because we've got our bigs, especially if, if we still get, if we can bring Thad back. But just, you know, I think like a guy like, um, I don't know, uh, like Nerlens Noel, or like Bobby Portis. Well, not Bobby Portis. Anyways, I think that's what the and I'll, I'm going to uh, do some more research and stuff on this free agency, and I'd like to eventually learn what the contracts mean, and you know, I, I have some what of an understanding, but it's rudimentary, and. Uh, because I'd like to be able to know if the Pacers could afford afford Sabonis and, and all these guys I was just talking about. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot there with free agency. And it's it's all these guys, Bogdanovich, Thad Young, Collison, Tyreek, Matthews, O'Quinn, Corey Joseph. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven guys don't know where they're going to be playing basketball next year on this Pacers team. Um, that's crazy. They just, I mean, I, you know, they, they, most of them, you know, are probably sure they're going to have work. Like someone will pay them to come play basketball for their team. I don't know about Kyle Quinn, um, but they don't know if it's going to be with the Pacers unless, unless there's been talks that I don't, I'm not aware of, but it's, it, it, it would be hard. I think, you know, showing up and, and put uh, it would be hard showing up and not knowing what you're doing next year, not knowing if you're going to be with the team, not knowing if you're who's going to sign you and what kind of 
deal you're going to get. But maybe because there's so many guys on the team that are going through this right now that it's kind of normal. And they, the thing is, Bogdanovich, Thad Young, Darren Collison, that's three, no, and Wesley Matthews. Four starters on this Pacers team don't know if they're going to be on the Pacers next year. And then you got, you know, Tyreek Evans coming off the bench, who's a huge role, and Corey Joseph, huge role. So the majority of the minutes of this team are coming from guys who aren't under contract for next year. So it's like, this could be a wild offseason um, with the Pacers. So there's a lot to a lot to learn, a lot to examine, a lot to think about. Um, but we'll do that after the season. Um, I mentioned maybe this last podcast or the one prior, but I know it was last one because it was about the Celtics and, and getting some national attention. Well, on the mismatch, the, the podcast with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor, I love that podcast. It's, um, I listen to a handful of podcasts, but the one that I get really excited about, and because I know it comes out once a week, and it's about an hour long, is The Mismatch with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. It's always good. I also really like the Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo podcast that they've started doing once a week. But it's just great. It's just, uh, I just love it. So anyways, Chris Vernon gave a shout out to the Pacers, and it was just kind of like, basically saying, hey, respect the Pacers. Uh, the team's really, you know, come together, um, you know, dealt with this Oladipo injury better than anybody could have expected. And they're still, you know, a viable team. A threat to have home court advantage in the playoffs, a threat to win a playoff series. And coming from... The expectations we had entering the season from the national media and um and after losing Oladipo, it is it is in the national media's attention it, eyes it does seem like this team's overachieving as someone who watches all the games i don't think they're overachieving i think they're but i think they're doing they're playing well like i i think that you know they're capable of playing like this which obviously they are so anyways it was just cool to uh hear uh Chris Vernon, give a shout out to the Pacers. It's, uh, it's like it, you don't realize what that feels like when they start talking about your team uh, because normally they talk about other teams. And so then when they start talking about the Pacers, I'm just like, oh, this is, this is so cool. What, what do they think about the Pacers? Um, so that's why I do this. It's just talking about the Pacers. Um, so that was, where'd we leave off here? Last week, you know, Pacers got the, the Sunday win against Denver, which was much needed. That was their um, game coming off of that road trip out west. So they got that win. Then they go to Oklahoma City, this one. Um, the Pacers had just played Oklahoma City, you know, a few, a few games prior at Indianapolis, and they won that game, uh, beating Oklahoma City on the tip-in by Wesley Matthews. That was an awesome game, super emotional. Crowd was in it, felt like a playoff game. Paul George was there. Um, So this was, now it was the Pacers' turn to go to OKC. Um, It was a really good game. The Pacers, you know, they had a great first half. 
They were up by nine points going into halftime. Um, you know, I guess also going into the game, so both teams were had been struggling. I mean, um, the Pacers had lost all those road games, had the good win against Denver, but then OKC, who they were at one point of the season, they were a favorite to they were the, the favorite challenger to to okay or um to Golden State. I think people would have, and I th- I thought so too. I would have picked OKC just because of their ability to play defense. Um, and Paul George was playing so well, and and you know what you're getting from Westbrook and Stephen Adams, um, plus Schroeder and Noel. OKC is just a they're they're a uh, kind of intimidating team athletically. Just really, really, really athletic. Probably the most athletic team in the in the league. Just I, I can't really think of a one that would be more so. Um, but they've been struggling lately, and falling in the standings in the Western Conference. Um, so they were hungry for a win. Plus, you know, the Pacers had beat them on that tip in the last time they met. Uh, but Pacers got off to a great start. I mentioned, you know, up nine and a half. They were making hustle plays. There was a there was a play that I, I even actually looked to see if I could find this replay, but it was Sabonis was shooting free throws and he missed the second free throw, making it a live action ball. And he sprints off the free throw line towards the ball. And, and in my head, I'm thinking he dove and, and knocked the ball out um, like against one of one of the OKC guys. Like somehow I think we got the ball back. Um, but the point I'm making there is like, you know, Sabonis misses the free throw, and then he's on the floor a second later. So it was that type of energy that the Pacers were playing with. Um, they, they, they seemed to be riding uh, the momentum that they got from that Denver game. And especially Miles Turner, he was looking great. Um, so, yeah, it was, like, it, it was like the best start. You're like, oh, shit, Pacers just you know, put a beating on Denver, and here we are putting it to OKC. Uh, and then it was just this is what you know I said the other in the other podcast this is this is what you call uh, skinny dipping in in the ice cold water uh, the, the Pacers in the in the third quarter they got outscored twenty four to nothing in 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 against it, it, during this time span so you know that was the biggest the longest like uh, scoring streak for for a team in this season in the NBA. So like no other team had let another team score that many points before they scored a basket. And OKC goes on a 24-0 run, completely changing the game, going from down nine to like up double digits, up 10, up eight, before the Pacers finally were able to stop that, that train and start to get some buckets. And it was just out, it was just ice cold shooting. I think the Pacers missed 13 or 14 shots in a row and they were getting, I don't necessarily, I, it didn't seem like all the credit belonged to OKC. It just seemed like Pacers were missing a bunch of shots. Uh, but anyways, they, they played, they come back, the Pacers, you know, ended up making it a close, a close game. Um, I thought put, they put uh, some fear into OKC. I don't think OKC would, I, you know, I think if we met again, it would be like, all right, this is the rubber match. I think we're about as good as OKC. Um, but we ended up losing that game 107-99. A uh, couple things to note that I noted from that game was Miles Turner and 
I really appreciated his effort that he was giving um, in the interior against probably the most bruising big man in the NBA, going up against Steven Adams on OKC. You know, Turner, this Adams is the kind of guy that gives Turner just fits. He's just like those big dudes like Embiid. I talk, I, I talk about that all the time. But in, in, and also, you know, you look up the big guy's stats at the end of the game and it doesn't matter who it is. They're going to have career, like season best type nights against the Pacers. Um, like, for instance, Steven Adams, 25 points, uh, 12 rebounds, you know, on 11 to 14 from the field. So it doesn't miss a shot. Um, rebounds everything. But the point that I'm making, so he still had a great, like Adams still had a huge game. Adams still bullied Turner in the post, um, or not necessarily in the post, like posting Turner up, but on the in the paint, you know, just clearing space physically. Um, but Turner was fighting the whole time. Like I just, I just started watching that, and it just seemed like Turner just never, never gave up. And I think the reason that he ended up still having a good game. Because in other games, you see Turner getting bullied on the end, on one end. And then, like, maybe, I, I, I don't have any, like, I haven't looked this up. This is just, I'm going off of, like, my feeling and my gut here. But I feel like whenever he's going up against a guy like Adams, he tends to also have, it affects his offensive game, too. And he'll have, like, it'll be one of those games where he scores seven points and gets three rebounds on one of five from, the, like, or two of six from the field. Like he has those games, but he hasn't had them in a while. And this game against OKC and the matchup against Steven Adams, I just thought that Turner never gave up. And then when you look at it at the end of the game, he has 12 points, 14 rebounds, and four block shots. Turner was just playing with high emotion. And there was an awesome block he had against, uh, what's the dude's name? Ferguson was Tony Ferguson. I can't think of his first name. He's like a six five six six type player. Uh, was going in for a dunk, I believe, and Turner rejected the shot. And you can hear Turner yelling. They caught this on the game. Get that out of here! And uh, it's just awesome, you know, watching Turner stuff shit. Um, yeah, I think I talked about this already, but yeah, we got we signed Turner on that extension, so four years, eighteen million a year. It's looking like a great deal. If the Pacers, you know, let's say we can pay five guy or we can play four guys that much, maybe the maybe the futures, Turner, Sabonis, Oladipo, and Bogdanovich. I don't know. I don't know if I. I just I don't. I don't know if I want to pay Bogdanovich twenty million. I think. Because when, when Oladipo comes back, it's like, ah, oh, I don't think he's worth that for us. Yes, he's worth that for maybe another team. But we have so many other guys that can score. The Pacers don't need a 25-point score. We just need five guys averaging 15 points or more. Like That's kind of how this pay- I see the Pacers having success with Oladipo leading. Anyways... Turner had a great game. Uh, I mentioned Steven Adams, his opponent, had a great game. Um, OKC also had what Russell Westbrook, another good game, triple-double against the Pacers. And then Paul George 
had a great game, 31 points, shot the ball really well. Um, I really like Jeremy Grant for OKC. He had a he had a good game against the Pacers. He's a guy that I would love to see on the Pacers team too. I just like his game. Um, so OKC, you know, they were at home. They needed a win. And their top guys showed up and just took care of business against the Pacers. That 24-0 run killed us. How do you come back from that? Um, but, you know, outside of Turner having a great game, Bogdanovich, 28 points, six three-pointers. Sabonis, a double-double. Um, he had 18 points, 10 rebounds. And then he actually stayed in the game over Thad Young down the stretch. And it was making me wonder, is that, is that our five? Is it Collison, Wesley Matthews, Bogdanovich, Sabonis, and Turner? Is that our five? Um, I think in the Boston game, it went the other way where Sabonis was on the bench and Thad Young was in. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, if, if that's our best five or not, but I sure like seeing Sabonis out there. And I almost wish that we could play Turner, Sabonis, and Thad, and Bogdanovich. And then maybe Darren Collison, or maybe Wesley Matthews, or maybe even Corey Joseph. But like, I wonder, I wonder if you could just play Thad Young at the three and move Bogdanovich to the two, Sabonis and Turner, four and five, and then you get to pick what point guard you want. Can Wesley Matthews play point? Because if he could, if Wesley Matthews could be point, then I like that team a lot. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if he's a good enough of a ball handler. Collison is is really good at ball handling. Like, uh, and then you know he's great at assist to turnovers. Like, Collison's solid. I I just I am for whatever reason just never quite took to to Collison as a player that well. But I I do. I do respect respect his game and, and um, but not against OKC. So because that game, him and Matthews, they shot seven to twenty-five. Everybody else was good. Um, I thought that the Pacers fought hard. They could have won the game. They just missed a lot of shots. And so there's another loss. Um, so for the week, you got the win against Denver. The loss on the road to OKC, and then the Pacers went on the road for the biggest game of the season to date to play the Boston Celtics um, in Boston. The Pacers had a one-game lead going into the game. Uh, going into the game, um, the Celtics were needing a win. They'd lost four out of their last five games. The thing about the Celtics, I picked them to go over the wins of what Vegas had this season. I thought the I thought the Celtics were going to be so good. I thought they were going to be so good. And I uh I you know, they just have had they're just a team that had no that has no chemistry. And it's like that's a real thing. So one of the things that I you know, I say about this Pacers team is we have so much chemistry and does that come from Oladipo being the leader of the team? You know, maybe because you can see that it's not as sexy as having somebody like Kyrie Irving or James Harden. Like, yeah, Oladipo is not that type of player. But what if he maximizes your team's chemistry? And because obviously, bad, we don't know. It's like, how, how much, how can you measure good chemistry 
you don't know, but you can you can see what bad chemistry can do to a team, and that's what's going on with Boston. They have so much talent. Jason Tatum, uh, it, he, Jason Tatum is so freaking good. Al Horford, so freaking good. Kyrie Irving, so freaking good. Jalen Brown, so freaking good. Marcus Smart's good. They got Gordon Hayward, who, you know, all-star, just coming off of an injury. Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines. I mean, the team is ridiculous. And it's just crazy that they, they, you know, they had lost four out of five games. They were still behind the Pacers in, this, in the standings. Uh, and I, I don't know, at least listening to the national media, it seems like a lot of the, the blame goes on Kyrie for not being a good, good enough teammate, like, you know, not being that good of a leader. So, I don't know, Pacer fans. It's like you trade. Would you would you rather have Oladipo or Kyrie Irving? It's like on two K, you'd rather have Kyrie Irving, but chemistry is a real thing. Um. So yeah, the Pacers going up against the Celtics. This was a super hype game. It was Friday night on ESPN. Um, Boston got up by ten points at the end of the first quarter. They're up by three at halftime. Um, it, I remember it was just a back and forth game. It was it was a really solid game. Pacers played hard. Um, the Celtics looked pretty good. Um, what else about? I, I, it's hard to remember because I just watched the other game in between. But I do know that you know. The Celtics did end up winning the game, 114 to 112. It came down to the very end. This is the game when uh, Thad Young stayed out on the court over Sabonis. But uh, it came down to the very end. Boston, it, the game was tied. Kyrie had the ball. Kyrie drives into the lane, and basically the lane opened up. It's almost like there's a little bit of miscommunication on the Pacers' part, and Kyrie lofted a, a, little, a little floater. It goes in. He ends with he ends the game with thirty points. Uh, Boston wins by two. Once again, Bogdanovich had a, had a really good game for the Pacers. He had twenty seven points. We had Miles Turner with another double double, fifteen points, eleven boards. Um, then on Boston's team, you know that just checking in on the big guy against Turner, Aaron Baines, who is he's a big body. He would be somebody that I would love to see the Pacers get. Shit, that's the guy. That's the guy that I want the Pacers to get. I wonder if Baines is a free agent. Um, but Baines ended up with 13 points and 13 rebounds. And that's just one of those things where you're like, he had a, he had a season, one of his season best nights against Miles Turner and the Pacers. Um, so Boston leads the series now with the Pacers 2-1, to one, meaning that we play him one more time. Um, Pacers can, if they can win that game, then it would go to some other tiebreaker, um, if they, if the two teams had the same record at the end of the season. Um, let's see, I've been, I've been going, you know, it's because I took a lot of notes this week, so I don't know that's that I need to find a sweet spot. I've got a lot of stuff, but, uh, anyways, getting on, so we lost to Boston, and then, uh, then the last game of the week was yesterday against uh, the Orlando Magic. It was a home game, uh, one that the Pacers should have had. We ended up losing the game. 
But uh, the Magic have been playing really well lately. They've won seven of their last eight going into the game. The Magic are fighting for their playoff lives. They are currently a half game back from the eighth seed in the East. And, uh, you know, they were bringing it. They were hitting their threes. Uh, but the Pacers, you know, they still looked decent. Like, I, the one thing is they don't, they don't, they didn't look like they gave, they didn't look like they gave up. Um, it's just a weird game. It's like the Pacers never were able to get control of it. Um, but that same night, Brooklyn ended up beating Boston. So nothing changed in the standings. Um, you know, at the Orlando game, so it was a home game. Uh, Orlando only played nine guys, and all nine of their players had nine points or more, um, which is pretty incredible. I like to brag about the Pacers' balance. Well, here it is, another team that did it. I don't think that's very common for the Magic, um, but they showed it against the Pacers. The bench unit struggled for the Pacers in this game. I, that, I was trying to figure out, you know, like, how did we lose this game to Orlando? Um, Tyreek Evans had a, had a minus 20 and plus minus. Sabonis had kind of an off game, even though he had six assists. Um, I, I think it basically came down to, to this. The Magic hit 15 threes. The Pacers only hit nine. The Magic shot 85% from the free throw line. Pacers shot 64. And the Magic only had seven turnovers. The Pacers had 15. I think that's how you get a 121-116 loss to the Orlando Magic, is those factors right there. Uh, and not having your superstar player. That hurts. Um, so that was the, those were the four games that the Pacers played this week. You know, so we got the win against Denver, but then three losses, OKC, Boston, and Orlando. So going into this, uh, well, this is the last full week of the NBA season. The Pacers are fifth in the East, 45 and 32. We have this exact same rest record as the Boston Celtics. Um, we have, I believe five games left and so does, the, so do the Boston Celtics or wait, I could tell that real quick. So we've played 77 games. There's 82 in a season. So yes, five games left, the pretty comparable schedules. The, the Pacers play, uh, the Pistons twice and Boston plays the heat twice. I think the Pistons are a little better team than, than the heat, but, um, still, I think Boston and Indiana have similar schedules uh, down the stretch here. So hopefully the Pacers can, you know, end up winning more than Boston and, and secure in the home court for the first round. I think that'd be huge. Um, but then when you look at it, the Pacers, I think, are playing well, but their, their win losses are, are, are bad. They're one in seven over their last eight games. So that means 45 and 32 now, and at one point, we were 44 and 25. So, uh, but there's some upsides, you know, like I said, I think that, I think the team is playing well. Um, they seem to be still like, they're just in it. That's the thing that they're in all these games. Um, but Bo Bogdanovich has been killing it this past week. You know, even though we lost all, we lost three of our four games, he averaged 28 points a game and was hitting more, hit more than four threes a game. All four games, Miles Turner, double doubles. Um, I've really liked the play of Miles lately. And 
it's just it's just good. Uh, this this next week we've got Detroit tomorrow, and then Detroit again on Wednesday, Friday again against Boston. This time in Indiana. Uh, hopefully that game's on. Hopefully that game's on ESPN again. But um, I don't know if it will be or not. Uh, and then Sunday we play the Brooklyn Nets. So. Detroit twice, Boston, and then Brooklyn. And then that means there's only going to be one game after that against Atlanta. So I still think, you know, there's five winnable games out there. The Pacers still have a chance to get to 50 wins. Um, I would love to see them do that. That would be great. It'll be interesting to see how we can we can play against Detroit. Like, there is definitely bad blood between the Pacers and Detroit. I think it's just because nobody likes Blake Griffin. And... Um, uh, they, they just kind of, or Reggie Jackson. Nobody really likes Reggie Jackson. Um, so we'll see what the Pacers can do coming up. Uh, before I wrap up here, I would like to say that I do have a 99% NCAA bracket uh, this year. I don't know. I could, I was recording this game during the Michigan State Duke game. Um, but I do have, like I said, a 99% bracket. I picked Auburn to make it to the championship game. Ooh, Michigan State beat Duke. So that's not good for my bracket, but that means I got two of the final four teams and Duke was my champion. So my bracket is now busted. There, you heard it live. Um, I do wanna just say also, I, I said something in the podcast last week um, about like, Christianity and how it's like, oh, that's not some, it was kind of, it was, I apologize for, for saying, kind of smearing whatever I, well, let me, let me be clear. It was about converting people to Christianity. Like, well, that's not like, that's not going to be on my mission. And I don't know, it was just disrespectful and not really what I want to be like on the pod. So on the other, I, so I do apologize for that. But on the on the flip side, that's also the risk I take by turning this thing on and just blurting stuff out. But so yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Pacers Pod. And thanks for checking it out. Hope you guys all have a great week, and we'll be back next week. Thanks.